You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Two players who should see increased roles next season, debating the best Brett Veach move of the past year, and we discuss the possibility of Frank Clark returning for another year. With Nick Schwartz, I'm Kayla Canaram, and it's always game day in Kansas City. For, 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 all, things, for, for all things KC, for everything Chiefs, it's always, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Canaram and Cody Tapp. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no. Oh, my gosh. Chris Jones combined, so this would have been, what, 2016? He was running the 40, and as he's crossing the finish line, he f- kind of like, he had too much momentum going, and he fell forward, and he just kind of slid on the turf, and as he was getting up, this is all live on NFL Network, his thing had popped out of the bottom of his spandex <laughs> shorts, and when he was asked about it, he said, yeah, the, the Lamborghini got out of the garage. <laughs> How short are those shorts? Uh, dude, have you never watched the Combine? And also, I can't believe, as a Chris Jones fan, you didn't know this, because that's how Chris Jones was famous before he was even a chief. He was known as the guy whose Frankenbeans had escaped... <laughs> Is that escaped his compression shorts running the 40? Like it was a, it was a, like a viral thing at the time. I'm shocked. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I mean, Chris this Jones is never a big come fella. Up in conversation. <laughs> Chris Jones is a big fella. And, you know, he didn't, uh, I'll tell you what, he doesn't have anything to be ashamed about. So congratulations on everything you got going on, Chris. Nick, Andy Reid says more and Tony will have increased roles in the offense next season. Who are you more confident in taking a big leap in their second year in KC? You know, that's tough because I think it, just based off what we saw this year, the upside would tell you that Kadarius Tony like has a higher ceiling. But I also think about what the team invested in these guys. And I know that's not the way it always works, but use Clyde as an example. If it weren't for Clyde being a first round pick, would he have came into this past season being the number one running back in this team? I don't think so. Sky Moore was not just a second round pick, but you're, I mean, an early second round pick. I think he was what, 44th overall or something. So middle second round, it was the third guy you selected. And I know the season did not go according to plan, but I didn't see anything with sky that made me think, wow, this guy just can't play right with Clyde. You saw it with Clyde. You saw, man, he's running into his linemen. There's a gap right there. He's not hitting it. He doesn't have the burst to get to the outside. He doesn't have the straight breakaway speed to run past defenders. You could watch Clyde play on Sundays and see this is why maybe he wasn't the dude you should have taken with your first round pick. There wasn't any of that with Sky. The only issue anybody had with Sky more this season was the fact that he wasn't handling punt returns properly. But the reality is, he never should have been back there in the first place. Accountants. So I still, 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I still think that I still think that there is untapped potential with this guy. And I think the other side of that, that's a big thing is that Andy Reid, look at his history, his track record with rookie running wide receivers. He always brings guys along slowly. It's a big, thick, complex playbook. And I would understand that they brought him along in a way to where they didn't really give him that full playbook right away. So I would have liked to see him play more. This team was trying to win a Super Bowl, but I don't know if that, I haven't, I haven't quite answered the question. I was going to say, I don't think you did answer the question. I'll get to the answer eventually. Okay. Don't rush me. <laughs> I haven't made a decision yet. I'm trying to, I'm trying to talking think in circles. I, here. I just wanted to make, I just wanted to make that clear about sky more. I, okay. I am not ready to close the book on the idea that this guy could, couldn't take a big leap in year two. I was hoping that you were going to talk now so I can continue to think about what my answer is. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm, I'm going to just, I'll just go with, I'm going to say Kadarius Tony. Should he stay healthy? Just because he has, you know, a little more experience under his belt. Isn't the Um, health, isn't the health a big, big, big if though? It's huge. It's huge. And only time will tell, but what he's able to do, the glimpses we got to see this season um, if he can remain healthy, I think he sky's the limit for him. No offense yeah. anymore, but yeah. And that, it's, it's so weird because they very clearly got him involved right away. And so the question you could ask is why was Kadarius able to become a bigger part of this offense immediately joining the team halfway through the season when sky was there at the beginning of the year, he went right. through OTAs. Is he that just NFL experience camp. in general? I don't know because I mean, Kadarius only had a year under his belt. True. It's not as though he was this grizzled veteran by the time he got to Kansas city. I wonder if it is specific to their skill sets. Kadarius is explosive twitchy lateral quickness. I mean, you saw the best example of it was the punt return in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. His ability oh to turn on a dime to make guys miss. Like you can't get a hand on the guy that I think when the chiefs brought him in, they thought we can immediately do some stuff with him because most of the stuff that he did, like the highlights of his first year in Kansas city were all at the line of scrimmage, right? Look at the Super Bowl. I mean, the Super Bowl and the Jacksonville Jaguars. He had two touchdowns this year where nobody was within 15 yards of him. So those were a little bit of busted coverage. He made some plays, but a lot of the stuff was based off of uh, formation scheming and busted coverage. And you go back and you look at it. It's not as though Kadarius was playing a ton. He was really only playing 15, 20 snaps a game. So I don't want to make it seem like he was out there all the time and Sky was never playing. But I yeah, the I guess the smart money would be on Kadarius, but I do worry about health. And I still think Sky is probably closer to being a more complete receiver. I think he's a really, really good route runner. And if he's given more opportunity in his second season, I wouldn't be shocked to see a massive jump from one year to the next. I would you know, love the, that. You know, the the interesting part about it though, Kayla, is the fact that. This team, if they don't resign Juju, Kadarius oh. and Sky are slated to be like your starting wide receivers next year alongside MVS. Step up time. 
big step up time. But if that's the case, if let's imagine Juju goes out and signs a massive contract somewhere else, I got to think Brett Veach is going to have a trick up his sleeve to go out and find another receiver. You're not just going into next season with those two guys. And that could mean trading up in the draft. That could mean going out and making a big splashy trade like DeAndre Hopkins or Mike Evans. Like, I don't know how attainable those guys are or how much interest there would be there, but I'm just spitballing here. You're not going to go into next season with it being like MVS Sky and Kadarius as your top three receivers. I would imagine they would make some sort of move outside of those three guys. And that is why we have to re-sign Juju. I think you're right. I, I think it's not just that Juju is like familiar with the. He's a veteran. He has six Season NFL seasons. He's six NFL seasons under his belt. So there was no, there was no learning curve. At least that was evident with Juju. He immediately had the trust of Andy Reid. He immediately had the trust of Patrick Mahomes. Even if you don't think that Juju is this elite talent or that he's not a legit number one ace receiver, he was a guy that Patrick Mahomes was comfortable throwing the ball to eight or nine times a game. That matters. That you can just have the security blanket at wide receiver that you don't really have to worry about. Yeah, he may not be the best player on the field, but it's safety. It is security. It's reliability you don't get that simply by being talented. Like Kadarius Tony might be more talented than Juju, but there is not the same floor. Like his floor is not as high as what Juju brings. So if you do lose Juju, I don't think you can go out and just fix it with another rookie receiver. If you lose Juju, you got to go out and get another veteran. You got to go out and get somebody who like, Hey, I may not be a burner, but I'll give you 70 catches. I'll give you 900 yards and five touchdowns and, knowing you got Travis Kelsey and the best quarterback and the best play caller, that'll probably be enough to get the job done. So going back to the original question, was your answer Sky Moore? Yeah, but I don't say it with a ton of confidence. <laughs> I'm taking a bit of a leap of faith here. Okay. I, I want to speak it into existence. I want to speak into existence the idea that Sky was more so a product of being a rookie mm -hmm. and maybe had got the yips a little bit from the Learning punt curve. returns learning curves. Andy brings along rookies slowly. So I'm taking a leap of faith and saying that Sky's going to have a, a big sophomore year. I'm going to, I'm going to speak that into existence all summer long here for that. And having a uh, touchdown in the Super Bowl certainly doesn't help. Right. What better or way certainly to does help. What am I saying? I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, what better way to, to boost the confidence season? Yeah. Hell yeah. Exactly. Well, Nick, since we are in the offseason, out of all of the offseason moves that Brett Veach made a year ago, which one was the most instrumental, do you think, for the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl? <laughs> Take your pick. Okay, so do I do I individualize all the draft picks or am I lumping them together? Oh, I think you have to say individual, right? Yeah. Okay. So let me think about it. I'm going to reverse engineer this question. If I, rem okay. if I take away any one of those single moves, do the chiefs still win the Super Bowl? Right. Mm -hmm. So as good as Isaiah Pacheco was, I'm so excited about his future. If the chiefs Same. didn't have Isaiah Pacheco, they probably still win the Super Bowl. You know, he was great and he's big for the future of this team, but they probably would have found a way to win it without him. Same with Kadarius Tony. Like, I'm excited for what he brings to the table, but I think they still could have won without him. I think it's the Tyreek Hill trade. I really do. 
what you sound you you look so disappointed in me as if i have insulted a family member of yours no you were just so upset about it i was but you know what it's called personal growth kayla <laughs> i recall it's being made fun of for saying the chiefs were better without tyree kill at the beginning of the season i yeah uh, i'm i'm not i'm i'm a big enough man to admit when i'm wrong okay wow i was wrong growth. but we saw and speaking of growth great transition we saw Patrick Mahomes grow because of the absence yep. of Tyreek Hill. So the Tyreek Hill had ripple effects that are going to be felt throughout this organization for years. So in the immediacy of the trade, you saved money, you stockpiled draft picks, you crushed it with those draft picks, and you've now built for the future in a season going into 2023 when Tyree Kill is going to be the highest paid receiver in the NFL. He is set to make $31 million in 2023. Nobody's making more at that position. So in a team building roster construction point of view, you've set yourself up nicely. You also won a Super Bowl in the year where it was supposed to be a recalibration. Like maybe you thought the Chiefs would be better off in the long run without Tyree Kill. Well, they happened to win the Super Bowl the first year without him. So that's like money in the bank, right? Boom. Then on, on, on top of it, the growth, right? We talked about this a lot. Patrick Mahomes evolved as a quarterback directly because Tyreek Hill was no longer a part of the offense. I'm not going to sit here and act like the Chiefs offense would have sucked if Tyreek Hill were a part of it. They would have found a way to get past some of the shortcomings from a season ago and and what happened in that Cincinnati Bengals AFC championship game loss. But having him out of the mix forced Patrick Mahomes to become a more complete quarterback. I truly believe that. It Agreed. forced him to process more, to not just go through. And he said this, right, where he would get to points where it was just like, Travis, Tyreek, Travis, Tyreek. And he would just go back and forth between those two guys. Defenses knew that. So now in a year where you didn't have any star receivers, he spread it around. He took what defenses gave him. That forced him to evolve. Maybe he would have evolved anyway, but we don't know that. I know that that move helped him evolve this year. He's a better quarterback because of it. I'm not convinced that the Chiefs win the Super Bowl if they would have just run it back. If they would have just ran it back with Tyreek, you don't have those draft picks, so who knows if you draft differently, right? Maybe yeah. you don't trade up and get Trent McDuffie in the first round. And if you don't trade up to get Trent McDuffie, do you still draft? George Karloftis, you don't have two second round picks. Do you still draft Scott? Like the ripple effect of that is wide ranging. And I think that that is why to me, that's the only one I can point to and say that directly impacted their ability to win the Super Bowl. And I think there's something to be said about getting too comfortable as a team. Oh, we have Tyreek. Oh, we have Kelsey. Oh, we have Pat. We're good. When you're, facing adversity and you're put in situations where you have to step up, that's going to make you better, which then led to a Super Bowl. So I agree. I don't know that we would have gone back had we still had Tyreek. Yes, he's insanely good and talented and makes incredible plays, but it's something about being comfortable in the position that you're in and everyone expecting you to be playing at the highest level and being one of the best teams where you kind of just almost sit back. You know, this sounds like something you would read in like a self-help book or something your therapist would <laughs> tell you, but comfort is the enemy of progress, right? Yep. It, 
you don't grow and expand when you're comfortable, when you're where you want to be, when you're not concerned about anything. Stress and discomfort are usually the times when you are forced to adapt and evolve and grow. And I think we've seen that over the last 12 months with the Chiefs. Chris Jones, I mean, we're not talking about that, but like, think about that. Chris Jones not being able to bring down Joe Burrow in the AFC Championship game directly impacted him becoming the best defensive player in football this year. Correct. Like th those little things have wide ranging effects that last beyond just the immediacy of like, Oh, I'm going to go get better now. Or, Oh, we're going to go trade this guy because we're going to save some money. It forces guys to grow. And the chiefs are so much better off in the long term. This isn't, I'm not trying to say that like Tyreek Hill was holding this team back, but no, that just definitely not. No, I just think that happened to be the catalyst that that spurned this growth for them as an organization and, and for Mahomes as a player. To quote one of my favorite people on the planet, this is coming from like a 2005 Vogue issue. And she didn't even say this originally, but she quoted it in Vogue and I like kept the Vogue ever since. Jennifer Aniston once said, everything you want in the world is right outside of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And look what it did for the Chiefs. Jen. Jen, you've Jen. done it again, girl. You've done it again. Again, I don't think she was the first to come up with that, but she did say it in Vogue, and I thought I she, she was the first, actually, so I saved that Vogue forever. I have, I have My that idol. same Vogue. I have that same Vogue article, and I think she was talking about the Chiefs when she gave that quote. So was she really bringing it full circle here? I think it was like very close after her divorce with Brad, mm, 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 mm. which I'm still not over. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> Nick, Brett Veach says they'd like to find a way to bring Frank Clark back next year. Yes, please. What are the chances Clark is back in Kansas City next season? Depends what he thinks his role is, right? It depends what he how he views the rest of his career. He's not that old. I, I always get shocked when I look up Frank Clark's age I, because he's been so injured and it feels like he's been around forever. I think he's got, what, nine seasons under his belt now he'll Crazy. be he'll be 30 by or eight seasons he'll be ninth season will be next year he'll be 30 by the start of next year which is typically the time just when you, 30 i know right i thought he oh was i thought gosh. he was gonna be like 32 but no he's gonna be 30 years old when next I season starts I mean, that's typically the time when the decline starts for players at his position but like Von Miller, who's a obviously a better caliber player, like he was 33 this past year and was playing at a Pro Bowl level before he got injured at eight sacks in 11 games. So it's not unheard of to see guys play well into, you know, maybe their 33, 34 year old seasons. But Frank has shown with his play that, like, I'm not sure he's somebody who anybody is bringing in to be a full time starter at this point in his career, including the Chiefs. Like if the Chiefs brought him back, it would not be to be the full time. I think no matter what, he is a rotational piece. So the question becomes from both sides. Do the Chiefs view him like as a valuable asset beyond just what he does in the postseason? Because I know the easy response to this question is, well, yeah, because we don't care what he does in the regular season as long as he can be Mr. February like he mm -hmm. has been. But that's not how general managers make decisions. Like if I'm going to pay you $7 million or whatever, I, I have no idea what his salary would be. 
But if I'm going to pay you, I expect you to contribute to our team all 20 weeks, not just the last three, right? Like we need you to yeah. contribute because um, you need to get production and you need to take pressure off other guys. Having a guy I know that if, if I know I, I can pay you five, six, seven million dollars and you're going to go out and get me seven or eight sacks this year. That's great because now I don't have to attribute more resources to that position. The one thing that's interesting, though, Kayla, is the fact that, you know, they've been so open about how he was sort of a mentor and a leader mm -hmm. for George Karloftis this year. Yeah, I, I think there's inherent value in that, too, depending on where you think Karloftis is going to be at heading into year two. Like, does he still need that guidance or is he ready to kind of flourish on his own? I agree with everything you just said. I would love to see him back. But like you said, I don't know that I know it was like a little slow during the regular season and then playoffs come and he turns it on. And is that worth it in and of itself? I say yes. But I don't. I do, too. I think it's worth it. But. You know, if you you have to be willing, if you if you think that way, the way that like fans do, we do. You have to like guarantee that he's going to do that in the postseason, because right. imagine like last year where he had a bad regular season and he also didn't do anything in the postseason. Well, now it just feels like you're stealing from me, right? And he was making like $29 million last year so that, or two years ago. So that wow. makes it even harder. Yeah, he was the highest paid defensive player in football. How about that? And he had a really, Insane. really bad year. Yeah, so you, you can only do that if you know this guy is going to be great in the postseason. And I don't think general managers make decisions the way that like fans think where we can sit here and say like, yeah, I don't care what you do in the regular season. Just show up in the playoffs. Well, general managers like, no, we kind of need you to, we kind of need you to contribute, but though you you need pass rush help no matter what, if you're the chiefs, right? You yeah. need guys, you need bodies to come out there and help you. The question you have to ask yourself is, is Frank Clark one of those guys, or do you think you can get better value somewhere else on the market? Because he's not somebody I think is going to get a massive deal from anyone. Mm -hmm. Any anyone who's watching him is saying like, ah, you kind of look like you don't have a ton of gas left in the tank. So is this a Carlos Dunlap situation where you're paying this guy, you know, $8 million, $9 million one year, or maybe you do like a juju thing where it's all incentive laden and you've got a, a, a very moderate base salary. But if you reach these benchmarks, we're willing to pay you. It wouldn't shock me. But the fact that Brett Veach has already come out and said, no, we would like to bring him back for another year tells me that they're at least interested. I don't think he's just saying that to say it. Now, to what level they're interested in, who knows, but that's at least telling that that they're willing to kick the tires on it. I like knowing that they're willing. And I should have prefaced the last part of what I said with, this is why I'm not a GM, because <laughs> I fall in love with what a player does for like this much of the season. And I'm like, mm -hmm. yes, bring them back. Great. I yep. also don't like breaking up the team. As we've established. I don't either, but that you're and you, but you're right though. Like that's why GMs are so good at what they do. Like they don't get caught up in the nostalgia of it. Like whenever you win a Super Bowl, you're like, bring everybody back. They all help. They're all special. They're all important to us. But GMs are are able to separate the what you did versus what you're going to do because that's what you're paying these guys for. You're you're not paying them based off the fact that like he had two and a half sacks in three playoff games. You're paying him based off of the body of work that he mm -hmm. gave you and then using that to try and figure out what he's capable of doing next year. That is a but, special skill to have, to not get yeah, emotionally and, attached. And I think you also got to ask... I'm not good like, at that. Well, and 
if it's going to be a reduced role, like if I'm Brett Veach, I'm probably telling him like, hey, we'll bring you back, but we're giving more to George next year, right? We want to really, you know, we spent a first round pick on this guy. We kind of brought him along slowly. He came on late. We're really going to, you know, let him loose next season and see what he's capable of. And if, if we're bringing you back, it's going to be a limited workload. You know, you're going to be a rotational guy. Like Frank played 70% of snaps this year. Mm-hmm. And maybe half that next season. Is he interested in that? If there's another team who's willing, you know, to promise him more. It's tough to say. I don't feel like he's, um, I don't know him personally, but I feel like he's not a big ego guy. I mean, when you hear him talking, like, I feel like he loves playing for Kansas city. He loves the role he does. Like, I don't see him being like, Oh, I'm going to go wherever, whoever pays me the most kind you of know, a thing. He, well, cause he got him. I mean, the chiefs paid him a lot of damn money, Kayla, a lot of money. How much do you think Frank Clark has earned in his career? I'm going to look oh, this up. No, I'm so it. bad with numbers. <laughs> well, the Chiefs gave him a. I, I just. I already told you that he was making like 29 million dollars in 2021. That was for one season. Yes, he was the highest. He was the highest paid non-offensive player wow. in the NFL. Am I guessing how much he's made throughout his career, or? Yeah. 150, 80 million. <laughs> 150, 80 million. Okay, I'll give you the 80 million because that's close. $81 million he's made in his career. Oh, wait. I was way high. Yeah, you were way high, but that's okay. You prefaced it by saying it was going to be bad, so we can't judge you for it. <laughs> 80 million, $81 million. This is my career. problem. I always think there's more money than there actually is. So he's made a lot of money. And I think the other part that he talked about this year was like his relationship with Andy Reed seems to be one that goes a little bit deeper than your typical player coach relationship. Maybe that's enough to make him say, you know what? If, I, if the difference is uh, $2 million between me playing here and me playing there, I'm willing to come back here and play with this organization and this coach that I, you know, have a, have a special relationship with. So that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. And if that's it, and it's not something that's going to break the bank and you can bring him back to be, again, a leader, somebody to help the younger guys and just be a rotational guy that has playoff experience, that's not the worst thing in the world. No. Quick follow-up since you brought up his name. Von Miller, was he on a one-year deal or will he be back in Buffalo nah, next he'll season? He'll be back in Buffalo. He signed a big old Crap. deal. Big old deal with them. Yeah. Mm. But he'll don't, be 34 by that. the time next season starts as well. So Also true. Okay, Nick. Well, one more thing before we go. Okay. I don't know that we've, I don't even know. I might be stepping on your toes here. Are we doing a what's the scuttlebutt or is this premature? We haven't really talked this through. I should have. No, we, you, you know what? You liked it when I said the word scuttlebutt. I think next year I want to, or next week I want to debut a new segment called what's the scuttlebutt where we just, you know, we, we start the week by talking about what people are talking about. What's the scuttlebutt around the NFL combine? Is it, you know what the Chicago bears are going to do at number one. Are they going to trade out of the first overall spot? So what's the scuttlebutt coming to an episode of it's always game day in Kansas city soon. Well, I have one for today. Mm, a little Did, teaser, a little teaser. Did you see Travis Kelsey's SNL preview or a little commercial? Mm -hmm. Pretty good. Pretty good. Indiana Jones. You know, I've said this for a while. Like it's, it's easy to be the funny guy. 
but it's harder to be like an actor and to do sketch comedy. I wondered how he was going to do. That was pretty good. If that's any indication, I thought that was pretty good. Right. I know it was like a one minute promo, but I was very impressed. It was funny. He was good. I thought so as well. I thought so. So if that's a sign of things to come, then I am very optimistic about what we're going to see here on Saturday night. So we'll definitely do it. We'll definitely do a recap on Tuesday's episode. Obviously. Cannot wait for that. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Hope you all have a great weekend. He is Nick Schwartz. I am Kayla Kinnaram. This is It's Always Game Day in Kansas City, and we will talk to you next week. We'll be right back.